Hey everyone, welcome to Oceanside Sanctuary. This is our online gathering and we're super excited you're here. Hey, before we get started, we'd love if you could just share this out with any friends, family you might have because here at Oceanside Sanctuary, we've really found that Christ makes a way for love, peace, and justice in the world. And that's a message we're excited about sharing and we hope you are too. So when you share that, you just click that, share it out on Facebook, like, comment in real time. We'll be commenting with you. This is gonna be very interactive. In that way, we invite other people to share this message with us. So let's get started with the worship service. Again, everybody, welcome to the Oceanside Sanctuary. We are excited to have you worshiping with us this Sunday morning. Even though we can only be together across Facebook and YouTube, we are so grateful to be able to share this time together, uh, to read through scripture together, to pray together, to take communion together, and to connect with each other in whatever way we can. As I was preparing for this week, I'm really just reflecting on what's going on with the COVID-19 pandemic. I've been talking to more and more people who are being increasingly impacted by what's going on. And I was reading also through the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7. And I came across this passage and wanted to read it to you today so that we could explore what Jesus is trying to say and how this might help us to become people who are grittier and ready for uh, withstanding whatever difficulties or trials might be coming our way in the coming weeks and months and maybe even years. And here's what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 45. Here's the one sentence that I want to start off with you today. In the middle of his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, he, meaning God, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Now, in this passage, I think it would be really easy to take this as a kind of fatalistic or calloused statement that Jesus is saying to somebody who's suffering, well, God causes these things to happen to whoever's good, that he causes these things to happen to whoever is bad, and in the end, it doesn't really matter. But that really isn't what Jesus is trying to say here in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, Jesus, I think, is trying to say the opposite. He's trying to give a sense of hope and a sense of a reasoning behind why it is that God loves all people and why it is that we should in turn also love all people. So before we jump into this passage, I just wanna invite you wherever you are to just pray with me as we enter into this time of study. Would you just join with me now as we pray? God, we thank you for today and this opportunity for us to gather together. We thank you for this chance for us to come to scripture together to reflect on what it means and to gain a sense of insight into who we are and who you are and how we can be better representatives of you and of Christ here on earth and the way that we love each other and respond to situations of difficulty like this. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this passage in particular from Matthew chapter 5 is rooted in Jesus' teachings on a pretty controversial subject. It's actually a part of what's often called one of the antitheses of Jesus. That is, where Jesus essentially says, 
I know that you are accustomed to being taught this, but I say that. So that's sort of the thesis antithesis of Jesus's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the last antithesis that Jesus speaks in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's back it up a little bit to verse 43 so we can see what's actually happening here. Jesus says in verse 43 this, he says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. And the very next sentence, he says what I read just a moment ago. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. So Jesus, in the midst of this saying where he observes that the sun shines on those who are good and shines on those who are evil, the rain falls on those who are good and falls on those who are evil alike. Jesus is trying to get across this idea that to be like God, we ought to love all people, even if they are our enemies. And this strikes me as a particularly resilient posture to take, that no matter what your circumstances in life, no matter what's going on around you, no matter who is coming against you, even if somebody is constantly trying to hurt you or harm you or, or cause you some sort of evil, Jesus says we ought to love that person, that we ought to be the kind of people, that we ought to have the strength of character, that we ought to possess the spiritual resilience to love those kinds of people in return. Now, this would be somebody who was extraordinarily strong. Don't you think somebody who had the strength and depth of character and will to respond in a loving way, no matter what the circumstances were? There's actually uh, a whole science behind studying what resilience is. And so in fields like psychology and ecology and economics, we often talk about resilience as the ability that somebody has to respond to trauma or harm or injury in a way that either allows them to return to the way that things were, or even better, to somehow transform and get stronger and increase their capacity in the face of that trauma or that injury. Now, what would that be like in our lives if we were the kind of people who, no matter what was happening, no matter how bad the circumstances were outside of our lives, no matter how difficult we were in our interpersonal relationships, uh, with other people, no matter how much we had been harmed or attacked or injured, you know, that we were able to somehow be resilient enough, strong enough, gritty enough to respond to those kinds of circumstances in love. I think that's not to say that we don't suffer or struggle or grieve in the midst of that difficulty. I don't think it means that we don't care about the pain or the suffering. I don't think it means that we simply belittle the idea that there is evil or injustice in the world that we might sometimes be the victims of. I think that what Jesus is saying is simply that we ought to, no matter what, be people who are strong enough to respond in love in spite of those circumstances. It turns out that Jesus's statement here that God causes the sun to rise on the just and the unjust alike 
that he causes the rain to fall on those who are good and evil alike, that this statement, this sentence, this saying that he puts here in Matthew chapter 5 actually has an echo in the Old Testament. And we find that echo in the book of Job, Job chapter 25. And I think reading this gives us a little bit more insight into what exactly it is that Jesus is saying and why he's saying it. In Job 25, what we find is this ongoing discourse, of course, in the book of Job, where Job is the story of the righteous sufferer, the person who has done everything right in his life. He has tried his best to follow after God. He has acted according to God's good will in every area of his life. And in spite of all of that, he suffers incredible affliction and pain and injury. And in the midst of all of that affliction and pain and injury, Job is engaged in a dialogue, in a conversation with some of his closest friends. And his closest friends show up and they say, hey, listen, things like this don't happen to good people, so there must be something wrong with you. You must have done something sinful. You must have done something terrible to deserve these, these calamities, these uh, awful tragedies that have happened to you. One of those friends is Bildad, and we find Bildad's dialogue in chapter 25. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Job chapter 25, and I want to just point out the first couple of passages to you. Verse 1 says this, Then Bildad the Shuhite replied to Job. This is one of Job's friends. He replies to him, Dominion and awe belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of the heavens. Can his forces be numbered? In other words, what Bildad is trying to say to Job is, hey, listen, God is great. God is beyond our imagination. God's strength is far more than we could possibly imagine. This is part of Bildad's response to Job. Then look at what he says in verse 3. Can his forces be numbered? Upon whom does his light not rise? How then can a man be righteous before God? Now, that is very much an echo of what Jesus says in Matthew 25. Think about this just for a moment. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, God causes the sun and the rain to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous alike, to fall upon the just and the unjust alike. He's speaking specifically about this idea that the sun shines on everybody, whether they're good and bad. And we find that same sentiment here in Job chapter 25. Only in Job 25, Bildad asks the question. He doesn't make a statement. He asks a kind of rhetorical question in order to make a point. And his question is this. Who in the world exists? Who out there could possibly exist who does not have the sun shine on them because God causes it to rise? In other words, Bildad is asking a question here, and that question is, God is so great, God is so big, God is so powerful, even the sun shines on everybody on the earth, none of us can escape his light. God is so great and so large, so powerful, who are we to question his ways? Now Jesus, in Matthew 25, I find it really interesting that Jesus responds essentially to Bildad's question. Jesus is, of course, talking about all the people on the earth that God loves, and he makes the same observation that Bildad does. Jesus says, I tell you, you should be ready, no matter what your circumstances are, 
No matter how difficult things get, no matter how badly somebody treats you, you should be ready to respond to them in love. He says, because God causes his son to rise on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. He causes his reign to fall on the good and the bad. See, Jesus' reasoning is, because God gives God's good things to everybody on the earth, whether they deserve it or not, we ought to seek to emulate God. I think Jesus is doing a couple of things here, but one of the things I think he's doing is he is responding to Bildad's question. Jesus is pointing out that God is good and righteous and just, and so we ought to be the same. Now, all of this has to do with resilience. Because to me, when I read this, when I read Matthew 25, and I see that there is this echo in this ancient poetic book of wisdom, what it tells me, aside from the fact that Jesus is making an argument that we ought to love all people, no matter who they are, it shows me that Jesus spent considerable time in these ancient scriptures reflecting on who God was. Jesus has a deep understanding of Job chapter 25. Jesus has spent time in that passage reflecting on why Bildad asked the question that he did and reflecting on why Job was suffering the way that he was suffering. And that reflection caused Jesus to gain this insight that God's love is given graciously and generously to all people, and therefore he ought to do the same. Now that process that I just described, the process of reflecting on a situation and turning it over and looking at it from multiple angles until you come to a new realization that changes and transforms your life is what people who study resilience call insight. Now, we use the word insight in all different kinds of occasions, but for people who study resilience, what they mean by insight really is the ability to really know and understand yourself and know and understand a situation more deeply and more accurately. In the field of, of resilience, people who study resilience and try to help others attain more resilience in their lives, there is a kind of cycle at work in the way that this is done. And it begins with a controlled exposure to the thing that causes you stress. And then as you are exposed to the thing that causes you stress or anxiety or potential pain or suffering, as your exposure to that is done in a controlled way, in a kind of scaffolded way, then what comes from that is the ability to reflect on how you are responding to that stressful or painful situation. And as you reflect on that stressful and painful situation, something mysterious, and you could even say magical, happens in that process. You gain new insight into why you respond the way that you do. You, you gain new insight into why those circumstances exist the way that they do. You gain new insight into your role into the bigger picture. And as you gain that insight, what you then produce from that insight is an increased capacity to deal with those kinds of situations again in the future. This is the cycle of learning to be more resilient, 
by being reflective about the situations and the circumstances that cause you difficulty and stress. This is a lot like exercising. So for those of you who, who like to run or like to go to the gym or like to lift weights, that's exactly what we do in order to get stronger and healthier physically, is we expose our body to a certain level of controlled stress. Right? We, we run or we swim or we lift weights. And as we do that, as long as we don't overexpose ourselves to that suffering, to that pain, then what happens is our body has an adaptive response to that stress. And that adaptive response is that we get stronger. We get healthier. We're able to lift more weight. We're able to endure more difficulty. We're able to breathe more freely and, and breathe more effectively in the midst of a difficult situation. In other words, we get healthier. That's the cycle of exercise. And resilience, spiritual resilience, happens exactly the same way. And what I'd like you to see is that in these kinds of passages, passages especially like Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is describing dealing with enemies, what he's doing is exactly the same thing. He's inviting us to reflect on a stressful situation or a stressful relationship or a potentially difficult relationship. And he's inviting us to reflect on that in a controlled, kind of scaffolded way so that as we reflect on what's going on, we're able to gain insight into why it is that we respond the way that we do, why it is that that person might be treating us the way that they're treating us, why it is that we find ourselves in circumstances that can be harmful and difficult and traumatic. And when we reflect in that way on those situations with the help of wisdom passages like this, then the grace of God enters in and gives us insight. Insight into ourselves, insight into other people, insight into the kinds of systems and circumstances that cause harm and suffering, and insight ultimately into who God is. And as we gain that insight, it strengthens us. It increases our capacity to deal with those kinds of situations in the future. We become stronger. We become healthier. We become more physically and spiritually fit as a result of it. This is what wisdom literature is for. These ancient books like Psalms and Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes, the teachings of Jesus in the four gospels, these kinds of passages, these kinds of collections of poetry and teaching and parables and sayings, these stories that we gather around when we do things like this, they exist exactly for this reason, so that we can reflect on them and engage in a kind of controlled exercise where insight can be produced in us. And the end result is that we have the wisdom and the strength to engage in difficult circumstances. Now, we're going to be exploring these kinds of uh, insights and these kinds of practices that lead to the building up of resilience all over uh, the next two months. So throughout the month of May and the month of June, each week I'm going to come here and we're going to talk about new spiritual exercises or practices that can help us to gain resilience. Because as we move forward into the weeks and the months ahead, 
as our uh, public health begins to recover, as our economy begins to recover, as we all go out into the world and begin to engage with each other again, I think we are going to be in great need of spiritual resilience. I think we're going to need to be the kind of people who are strong enough and deep enough and wise enough that even in the midst of a lot of uncertainty and even in the wake of a lot of pain and suffering, we are people who are spiritually deep enough and fit enough that we can meet those needs with love and hope and courage. And so in the coming weeks, I want to invite you to join with me. Uh, today we talked about insight. Next week we're going to talk about another a spiritual practice, another spiritual exercise that we can engage in so that we can strengthen ourselves to meet the needs that are coming in the weeks and the months ahead with the grace and the goodness and the love of God. Before we move on for the rest of our worship today and take communion together, I want to invite you to just join with me as I close in another word of prayer and ask God to make this process real and true in our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you again for today. Spirit, we are grateful for this opportunity for us to join together and gather together, even across a digital divide like this. I thank you that as we pray our prayers together, wherever we might be, as we take our communion together, as we read these passages of scripture together, I pray that you would join us together in ways that we can't understand, that you would unify us behind the goodness and the grace and the mercy that you have to give us as we pursue the spiritual journey of becoming more like you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.